Welcome to Mystery of Sirens and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. We are getting our way through Star Cross, the lost show of CW. And I have an apology. It's an apology that no one asked for, an apology that no one called me out for. All right. But this is a corrections corner because I am a person who believes in saying things with conviction. And then if I'm wrong about what I'm convicted about, I need to become convicted about other things. Anyway, last week I said that Amy Teagarden, who plays um, Emery on the show, is the only person of note. (laughs) You know, she's the only person whose name that you know on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Also, weird way to treat all the other actors on the show. (laughs) Um, She she was the one that you said was probably the most famous one people would recognize outside of Star I felt like she was the person that, like, they were drawing people to the show with her name. Yeah. Um, I was wrong. I was so wrong. Because this episode, I was watching it and I was like, you know, the guy who plays Roman, I kind of recognize him. But I was like, he has that face, that sweet, sweet face. Yeah. Um, no. The guy who plays Roman is significantly more successful in this day and age, 2020, than Amy Teagarden. All right. Did you watch the show Timeless? Uh, no, it goes by on my, um, uh my thing every so often i see that i see malcolm barrett's face on it and i'm like i should watch you because also it's made it's made by some nice group that i i can't remember who the creator of it was but i remember he made something else i enjoyed can be like i should go back and watch time it's a great show the boys i think he made the, the yeah the boys it's a great three three season show with time travel um a man a woman a black guy traveling to different times which when you travel to different times having someone of color yeah m- makes makes it very different um he plays the main character on that show yeah but not only did he play the ma- play the main char- character on timeless he is a like prolific voice actor in the star wars oh. realm and also in the Marvel universe, like he has played um, the Winter Soldier in something, voice actor yeah. of the Winter Soldier in some things, Anakin Skywalker, Aquaman. Oh wow! Um, he's played Flash Thompson in the Ultimate Spider-Man TV series. Oh, well, he's a very prolific voice actor. Might be why the face didn't jump out to you immediately. He was in Pitch Perfect three, <laughs> and right. prior to being on Starcrossed, he played a major role in the new Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Ah. Like, to the point that he was in 98 episodes between 2009 and 2013. There were 98 episodes of the new 90210? Yeah. I didn't even... I, for some reason, when I think of... Because I knew they did a reboot. For some reason, I thought, not even a reboot. It's just a sequel. Because the same characters are in it. Yeah, yeah, it's a sequel. Um, for some reason, I thought that was, like, a one season that didn't do well. So, like, ah. No, that's, like, four seasons. All right, well... <laughs> And not only that, not only that, like, definitely that's why he's in Starcrossed. Yeah. But you remember, like, the disaster movie, the teen movie movies. Oh, he, he was in the movie movies? He played the Edward Cullen character in their Vampire's Bite movie. Oh, yeah. No, he played Edward Sullen. I, I, he was also in Disaster Movie. All right. No, I checked out of the, those films way before that <laughs> happened. But, you know, that's just, like, a nice dovetail with our... Oove. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that it would be both, you know, Emery and Roman being, like, the main draws. Yeah, Friday Night Lights and 90210 coming together yeah. to make... I mean, Friday Night Lights is a good show. I was going to say it's making a better show, but yeah. Friday Night Lights is a good show. Yeah. And this one is decent. Uh, this episode gets a little bit weird. Uh... <laughs> it is the second episode of a series, which will always be 
different than the pilot. But hey, w- they gave us some time to meet some secondary characters that we're getting more about. The first episode was really we just, we got to get Emery and Roman. We got to you got to mm-hmm. sip all the lore. You got to do all those things. But now, now we can just sort of have some fun. Um, they also like leaned a little bit more heavily into the R and J stuff, which is cool. Yeah, you got that a little bit. Uh, but let's get into it because this is Starcross season one, episode two. These violent delights have violent ends. These violent delights have violent ends. Which, as we all know, is from Twilight. No. Yeah? Aaron, no. Aaron I've heard that uh, sentence be uttered before, and I'm pretty sure it was only in Twilight. But, Kevin, in Twilight, were they perhaps quoting a famous work? No, no. They're, she, just Bella is very, very artistic, and she just says these things out of nowhere. If they were quoting famous works, do you think that would be thematically relevant? I mean... Those characters, too, were from two different worlds. One of their families was very supportive of them coming together. And another uh, one of their families didn't know. (laughs) Was mostly supportive, actually. That's true. The mom was very supportive. And Charlie was just generally mad at everything. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we pick up a couple days after the last episode ended, which, if you remember... Ended with uh, our buddy Roman saving Julie, and then his dad getting shot by M's dad. Yikes! How Shakespearean. Yeah. How how uh, <laughs> man a police officer shooting a minority. Wild. A minority who was just trying to do good and stopping another guy from having a gun. Wild. Wild. Well, in some shocking parallels to this, the year of our Lord, twenty twenty. Um, we head over to the Atrian Sector at 9 p.m., yep. or, you know, 2100 hours. Yep. And we're seeing some stuff getting passed around. There's a tube. There's, like, an ear thing to stick onto the tube. We can see that the um, the guards are doing bracelet checks to make sure everyone has a pass to be able to run their stands. Yeah, I'm not certain what they're doing. But it's it's stuff. Like This seems business as usual, except for these people passing around this thing. And it ends with one of them just dropping it in. A bag. A bag belonging to a guard. And the bag, the guard passes that bag along to a different guard who's standing on a... uh, Catwalk. Catwalk. And then, boom! It's an explosion. It's a terrorist explosion. Yes, it is. Uh, And that is sort of where we'll begin. We'll move right over to Em and Julia. And they're watching a news report. We do find out this is, in fact, two days post-killing. And Em is mostly freaking out about Roman. She's not as concerned about the news report as maybe she should be, and as Julia seems to be. Yeah, and it's if there is a lot of wildly sensitive nuance that goes on these scenes. It'll be hard for us to broach in a funny podcast, uh, especially considering how it, they're this very well done of having these characters each feel like individual characters who have beliefs and desires. And things about them, and not just sanitized versions of humans. And what's interesting is, I think we're watching this with a different lens than we would if we hadn't gone through this past year. Yeah. 
because we now we know what it's like to live through a time of crisis, to live through a time of social upheaval, but also to be a person existing in the world and having to try to like balance your personal issues and the broader social issues. Yeah. So mostly, though, M is really just wants to talk to Roman. But of course, her dad killed his dad. What is a boy to do? (laughs) He is so sad. And she just wants to be like, hey, I know you're sad. What? I'm here. I I love that. So in Romeo and Juliet, it just begins with a brawl on the street between their dads. And this one, they're like, no, no, no. One should kill the other. And like in Romeo and Juliet, the fight, the fight that started the feud between the Montagues and the Capulets is so long ago that no one in the play knows why. Yeah, it's... It's some of the Roman Juliet stuff does sort of fall apart there. That because we are so aware of how the fight started, not only are we aware of how the fight started, I think the show very does fall onto the side of like, yeah, humans are kind of in the wrong. They really shot that one dude immediately. Yes, he had his hands up. Yep. Now, to be fair, it would be very scary to have an invading force. But the the, the thing that I always go back to is that the. <laughs> Patriots look so much just like people. Like, in, yeah. in in the dark, that wouldn't look like an alien. It would just look like a human being walking at you. The, I will say, this is like a complete sidestep from this conversation, yeah. but I love that the alien spaceship is like an ever-present force. You see it in the background of a ton of city shots. Yeah. Like, it's there just, looming over you all the time. Yeah, I think they're dismantling it. I'm not, I'm not clear. I mean, it would take a long time. Yeah. It's only been 10 for, years. For a while, I thought the sector was around it. It's not. The sector's in a different area. Yes. Yeah. Which uh, is fair. You wouldn't want to put the sector around the spaceship because who knows what's oh, they, in that. They don't know what these people are doing. Anyway, anyway, continuing on. Julia is just sort of like this. <laughs> she's She's very wise. And she's mostly like, you can't, you can't force it, M. You know, you just gotta figure out what's going to happen. Anyway, I'm a miracle. <laughs> I definitely was saved by an angel. She said she, had, she, had, she believes she had a vision of a blue angel who came to her hotel room. Uh, meanwhile, M is looking at the cipher that she kept. And she's, she's like, like, I know what this is. In a golden box. It was like, uh. Yeah. Yeah, a blue angel. For what, sure. A, a jet came into your room and did some cool flips in front of you and then you were healed that's how cancer is healed by aerial tricks uh julia will be coming to school within the next couple days but first some more tests on her miracle yeah uh so we 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 move now over to roman and Sophie, and they're, like, getting stuff ready. They're actually grinding up the cypher. Yeah, I guess Roman learned the funeral rituals. Mm-hmm. There is a word for funeral in Atrian Society, so, and I didn't write it, it down. It's an H. Sometimes it's hard to tell what they're saying because they're not real words. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, that is true. Um, But, yeah, so part of the ritual is that they have to grind up the cypher. And Sophie's like, I don't really understand why we can't tell anyone we have this miracle drug. <laughs> and then we finally get it explained to us by, uh, a, by a new guy, Castor, who is Roman's uncle. Uh, he comes in and he explains in a very gruff way, but it's... It is the gruffest exposition dump I've ever seen where she just comes and is like, because if the humans ever find out that we can combine Cypher with Atrium blood to make uh, healing powers, we'll all be lab rats. I'm like, you're right, but... Why you are you s- saying that to a teenage girl? And you said it so fast as you came in. Like, it sounds like it sounds like he should be saying, 
quiet. We're not going to talk about this. But instead, he's like, I got to explain for the audience. Um, so there's some, like, there's some tension between Roman and Castor. Yeah. It seems that Castor is not a good brother to Knox. <laughs> But yeah. now he's here. He's going to take over the funeral planning, and he's going to be a man of power. Also, we should all be very, very concerned because the tracks are using Knox's the tracks yeah. are using Knox's death to like have an excuse to run wild and destroy all humans. Yeah, they're they're trying to use Knox's death as a recruitment strategy, and Roman is very upset because he knows that his dad would not want his death used to recruit for terrorists. All his dad wanted was for humans and Atrians to get along in harmony. Yeah. And then <laughs> speaking of harmony, oh my god, I I guess this is going to be a thing now. We get an announcement from the hollow principle, and I mean that H O L O, and it never looks. They just use the flat screens. You have four like flat board yeah, screens just, behind just you. Show his face on it. It doesn't have to be a hologram. Instead, he's a hologram, and all of the actors don't know where to look, so they're all slightly different, looking at different places. So I'm wondering, because I was thinking about this. I think the hologram principle is only talking to this classroom. <laughs> because they have the seven. Yeah, yeah, because they have the seven. And it, if he was talking to the entire school, he wouldn't be a hologram? It seems foolish to me. To, I mean, maybe. I was going to put all seven into one classroom. It's foolish. That's dumb. Okay. I was sort of, I'm like, I guess the idea on... Is they have each other? Well, I, well, I think you still pair them off at least. But uh, the idea, except for it's seven. So just... Yeah, why is it seven? Make it eight. I don't know. Is there only set? No, there's no way the Roman and Sophie are the same age. So, yeah. uh, it just actually no. I don't think Sophie's in that class then. They, but Eric knows who he is, who she is, because Eric. Well, I mean, Aaron. They, hit they all know who the seven are. Because I mean, this classroom eventually, after the Hollow Principle, does this thing about like we are going to decide if the homecoming dance is going to happen. We just get like. Man, a flurry of... Opinions. <laughs> of, I'm just going to say racist talking points. Yeah. So Eric obviously does not want any of this. Yeah. We we meet another dude who I don't think ever gets a name, but he thinks that um, M's dad is a hero because he, uh, he shot... A peaceful leader I think, of... Well, from his word, which... Hey, we've been through this now. We mm. we understand the ideas of propaganda. Uh, where he says, "Oh no, if if your dad hadn't shot him, Knox, would have killed him," which we know is not true. Knox wasn't even the one with the gun, but they weren't there. Exactly. They're, they're believing their own skewed ideas of and what happened. They know there was an atrium with a gun, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor is kind of indifferent about this, but she cares very much about the homecoming carnival. Okay, here's what I'm gonna give Taylor. Taylor has very specific wants every single episode. This episode, she wants that homecoming dance to happen. She does not care anything around it. She only wants the homecoming dance. She's like the opposite of Marissa. (laughs) (laughs) So we get a lot of like... Kind of like racism thrown around here. At one point, Eric tells Emery that her opinion doesn't matter because she gave away... Because she, because she ran off into the woods with Roman, and then Grayson, who I didn't recognize, tells Eric to shut up. Yeah, what's with Eric's sideburns? It's he has like a. I don't. Is his hair not naturally that color? Because he has like this hard, dark line 
along his side. It looks like his hair was trying to escape down into his face, and he put up a line to hold it back. Well, you know how some blonde guys have, like, really red beards? Maybe he just has a really, really dark roots? Yeah, maybe his sideburns are a part of his beard, not a part of his hair. Sure. Anyway, this scene... To be fair, he's a little heavy-handed, but, like, really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which leads into M essentially chasing Roman down to... She Apologize does not broach... And she does not broach the situation well. Uh, she she definitely has not considered what she's going to say to Roman. She just decided in this moment, I gotta talk to him. Because she starts with, hey... I'm sorry my dad killed your dad. No, she says, I want to apologize. And Roman says, because your dad killed my dad or because my dad is dead. That's true. That's and she true. says, thank you for your help at the party. Yeah. Uh, but, I'm in mean, her defense, she's 17 and has never gone to school, so. Yeah, yeah, no, she, I you know, she's, she's, she's doing her best. Uh, but we will meet here another uh, uh Guard, I guess. Yeah, Beaumont. Yeah, who the hell is Beaumont? Where the hell is Beaumont? <laughs> well, he's right here. And uh, he... And they he, all know him. He clarifies in probably a ve- in a very insidious scene. I'm just being like, don't, don't worry, uh, <laughs> M. We're all supporting your dad. And I'm like, that's got a lot of... Wait. Ba- that's got a lot of bad connotations considering the situation. <laughs> So he takes Roman off. Roman ends the scene by telling M that we're from two different worlds. And M says, not if we don't let ourselves be, essentially. <laughs> I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's true enough. You're on the same planet now. He meant literally, but... <laughs> yeah, but you're also right, M. You can... Sure. All right. So some quick stuff. Uh, we learned that uh, her dad, Ray, is his first name. Mm-hmm. Is taking a leave of absence. Good choice. Yeah. And now Beaumont, who the hell is Beaumont, is it's in charge. taking over. Yeah. Um, and he gives us a talk about how we should not blame the Seven because they're children, which is accurate. Yeah. Well, I mean, the principal is the one who says that the the and Seven are not involved. This one woman, there's one older <laughs> woman in the scene who's real mad about trivial things. Yeah, she'll pop up a few times, but <laughs> with the 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 important guy we meet is now Aaron, is this a school board meeting? No, I think this is like a parents committee, but okay. also the school board is there yeah. on the stage. Um and I I though I guess it makes sense why this guy here. This this is I think Robert Robert Vanton. V- Vartan Vartan. Vartan. Uh, he is He is a man with a strong southern drawl. Yeah, and potentially the leader of the Red Hawks. The Red Hawks is the Proud Boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> They're kind of the Proud Boys mixed with QAnon. Yeah. Uh he has the ideas that the, the uh, Atrians are going to try to colonize the earth. And all that they've figured, th- yeah, like all 400 three, of them. Yeah, 3,000 of them, maybe. I don't and know. They've figured out how to remove their marks. And 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 are entering government. And then he basically, with his eyes, yeah. points at Gloria. Yeah. And then he goes on this thing where, where he... So he definitely has a religious bent to him. And the one thing he does is he says, God has created us in his image. And I'm just like... like well, I mean, the Atriots look exactly like you. Yeah, maybe God made two different planets. Well, and- maybe God's intention was for these two planets to come together eventually. You don't know. Well, what, what he what he says says is like, and we are given domain dominion over all the vermin of the earth. Uh, I I want to congratulate the writers for making him say these things because it's not it's not unknown to the writers of the Atriots do look a lot like humans, mm-hmm. but this is exactly. This is exactly the type of shit 
that people like this say. Yeah, he because he's he's saying something that's very easily easily disproved because they just look like you but he they don't look enough like us they got them weird tattoos on them <laughs> so it turns out this meeting is actually <laughs> about whether or not the seven should be allowed to come to the homecoming carnival yeah after after we get vartan doing his doing his stuff a little bit and this woman <laughs> the principal be like you're not allowed here anymore. I don't know. All I know is that he's shouting, and then this woman stands up and shouts, What about the homecoming dance? And she says it with such energy. This is the same woman from before. That I think she expected everybody else to start shouting as well. Instead, she just stands up, shouts that, and then there's absolute silence. <laughs> the principal's like, sit down. I right, sit down. We'll, we'll have the board vote. And unfortunately, none of the board want the Atrians there. Julia, or not Julia, M. Gloria. Oh, yeah, Gloria. Gloria raises her hand, but the principal can't vote. He's the principal. Yeah. But Gloria is maybe on the board? <laughs> Hard to say. Man, Gloria's position, I think she's a government liaison. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they don't want these children yeah. to assimilate with society. So up pops M. Yeah. That is ba- gives a speech that's basically like, Y'all are racist. They're nice kids. Yeah how how can you ex- how can you expect us to get along with them if you don't get along with them? And how do you think we can like come together if you never let us be together? And I do like somebody somebody's like this isn't your place. I feel like she could just, she could just be like I'm a I'm literally the only person who hangs out with these people. You none of you have ever met them. Yeah, I know if I know they're nice. Yeah, and Lucas. On the ball, Lucas, like, the second she stands up, goes, ooh, she's about to give a speech. And he pops up with his fancy clear phone. This just makes me feel like M has done things like this before. Maybe not with such serious things, but maybe she stood up on the dinner table being like, why are we being forced to eat broccoli? None of you have ever truly enjoyed broccoli. It's a thing that we do because we claim it'll make us healthier. I say instead we have corn. Only corn. This sweet little girl loves to make speeches. <laughs> then Lucas is just <laughs> filming her. So uh, this moment drops. Yeah. Here we go. We find out over in the Atrian sector. Yeah from Caster, that the explosion was just a distraction so that the Tregs could steal weapons from the guards. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. Uh, which brings Caster uh, bringing Roman to meet. We're going to get some stuff here on the Atrian. So there are four tribes, and this is like the the leaders of the four tribes, but I guess there is a universal leader for all of them. And it turns out the tribe that Roman is from is the most powerful tribe, which yeah. is why there is an elder from that tribe at this meeting, but also his dad was from that tribe and, and was... the leader of all the Atrians. Yeah, so with him dead, it would pass down to Roman, but Roman is young. So like, so if so, what we'll do is we'll put someone else up until you are ready to lead. And that other person... Is Castor. Yes. Now, Roman does not like this because he thinks the caster he thinks Caster's a reactionary essentially yeah, he explains very very clearly that his dad was all about he was progressive he was non-violent yeah. he wanted to get along with the humans and the elders do agree like now that Knox is dead war with the humans is yeah. bubbling 
Yeah, and, and, we, and we might as well uh, sort of do this. Their big thing is they're like, we need you being in charge. You need to stand up against the Trags. Like, all of these leaders, all of them are like, the, you, like, your job will be to deal with the fact that we have these extremists in our in our mists. And Roman, as we'll sort of learn, and I, we, I we might as well do this now, yeah. um, we learn that Caster actually used to be a Trag. His, Which, yeah, he made a bomb out of fertilizer and gasoline yeah not knocks caught him him. (laughs) yeah so like no kidding roman does not want caster to stand up against the tregs so so roman says well if not him me rome me the 17 year old i will now be in charge somehow i will go to school and also do this but but like but like yeah he doesn't trust caster and all that it makes sense because they ask like okay well if not him who's going to be in charge because someone has to be in charge he's like i guess i'm ready now it it is a choice of him taking on so much responsibility that makes sense not like i don't want to keep on doing every time we do something that's not riverdale (laughs) archie deciding to just keep (laughs) running a, a construction company and a considering the construction company and the community center both showed us Showed us adults who were willing it. to do it. Yeah. We have met no adults. Caster is the only adult we've met other than the elders and Weevil. Yeah. And his mom. And his mom clearly has no interest. I mean, his mom still speaks yeah, I think, the other language. I think, I think Roman can see why he's like... like he, Roman has... And Roman uh, has been and, trained by his dad. Yeah, and he, ha- and he believes in his dad. And he... The, Roman is not like the, the, the layabout heir who now must find responsibility. He is responsible he just is also like i'm trying to do many things so it makes sense that he would take this position mm. Mm. so we learned that everybody uh, apparently has seen m's speech because, because luke has posted it on his blog yeah and that, that is the one thing i'll say is very tw- uh, 2014 uh nobody says vlog anymore yeah, no it, it's on youtube yeah i posted it on youtube i posted it on my youtube channel um, Everyone saw it. Now, Eric obviously hates this, but mm-hmm. a girl we meet named Zoe thinks this is great. Yeah. So, hey, we're getting both sides. And then Eb sees Grayson and goes out to check on Grayson because, you know, it's been a while since we've heard from him. And he, he's, he's like, weirdly cool about being left at the party. He understands it. Sometimes you're yeah. caught between two worlds. Yeah. But we do find out that um, part of the reason he's so cool is sometimes bad things happen and you're sad. Yeah. And he, he, he his, kind of explains why he also kind of gets what Roman's going through. So his brother was a National Guard who was killed 10 years ago on Invasion Day. So yeah. clearly in the in battle the, for Earth. It wasn't a battle for Not Earth. Invasion Day. Arrival Day. Yeah. They're not that. Hey, maybe the, maybe the Red Hawks call it Invasion Day. Ooh. Ooh. So M really appreciates that he shared this with her and she yeah. appreciates that he's cool and understanding. And then her friend Julia arrives. So she's got to go over to Julia. Yeah. Uh, but this is mostly taken over by the fact that uh, Taylor is just walking around doing this changing thing. the oh they're they're in a bar or not a bar like a student I, bar they're in a crab shack oh maybe <laughs> well, she does bring him fried pickles and there are there's crab motifs all over the place 
But, like, it's a teen hangout. Yeah. So Taylor comes to this teen hangout and is changing all of the TVs. I, I, I'm I assuming she got permission and it's not that these TVs are open for anybody. Because <laughs> what, what she's doing is she has, like, her phone out and she's swiping from her phone and sending it toward each screen. And it's an ad for the Homecoming Carnival. Yeah. My favorite thing is she does it to people who, like, they're at a table and there's screens in the table. Uh, and she just sends it to their table and they're like, <laughs> what the? Okay. But Julie, uh, Julia, who... You know, she hasn't been around forever. She volunteers because she wants to get involved with the school she's about to go to. And Taylor's like, I don't know who you are, but... <laughs> we, le- we learned that some some students have been uh, boycotting because of the Atrians, but Taylor does not... Taylor doesn't care if the Atrians are there or not. She only wants homecoming. Homecoming is not a place for politics. <laughs> <laughs> she... <laughs> like... It- and no point does she be like, she's not going to boycott because of the Asians. No. She's not going to be like, oh, don't, you know, it's like, oh, the Asians are coming. She's just They're like, wrecking everything. She's homecoming. Like, <laughs> homecoming comes before she, everything. She, I, like, I'm certain she's not supposed to ever be seen as like a, a like one of the more tolerable, I mean, maybe actually, uh, but she, <laughs> the fact that what she says that moment is like, fine, it's their loss. <laughs> It's amazing because typically people who are not engaged in politics in like media is yeah. because their privilege allows them not to be, yeah. which makes them like very close to their views. Whereas Taylor is like, I accept all of their views as long as you come to my party. <laughs> I can't make this any clearer to you. If homecoming doesn't happen, I will kill everybody. But if you come, I don't care if you're man, woman, atrian, goat. You, you can come to my party. Goat, I better see you at my homecoming party. I swear to God, goat. If you don't come, you're on my bad list, goat. Yeah, gonna... <laughs> I got a burn book. I'm Regina George. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a burn book here of all the people just, okay, it's got a goat in there. That's a... It says a... goat didn't come to homecoming? <laughs> Anybody seen this goat recently? Is the goat alive? No, no. I think we lost the goat. Uh, so, meanwhile, in... What I'm going to describe as a different series. <laughs> like, we cut to Emery, and she's dealing with real, like, OC teen drama stuff. And then we get to Roman, and Roman needs to know, needs to interrogate Terry to find out where the tregs are. And uh, Terry says the tra- that Roman should not go to the tregs because it's initiation night. Yes. And um, Hadar... Uh, is the one who I guess is sort of like in charge of the tregs. And we see these tregs and they're wearing like... It's like some real Mad Max inspired <laughs> wearing nonsense. Yeah, they, they have what I can describe as like spiky vines wrapped around them in that way where it's like... Like it goes across their chest and under their arms and like over their neck. And they definitely have like machine guns. Yeah, yeah. They'll, what, they'll they make a... Sound. What I will say about the scene, what I don't like... Is when Roman walks in, the leader is shouting at them, basically, initiating them, and he's speaking English, and I really wish he was speaking Atrian. I do as well. I really Um, wish that was... We've had scenes where people have, and it's been subtitled, and we find out that Roman is not good at speaking the Atrian language because his dad wanted him to be able to exist on Earth, so they speak English at home. Yeah, it, it does seem like they should have done that bit in... In in Atrian, it should have been should have been especially when we see a lot of the um the tregs alone. They should be speaking Atrian, and it's not it. So it's not called Atrian. It's called something else that starts with oh, an S. Again, yeah. it's a made up word, so I don't know. So what it doesn't it always is. Can, yeah stick in the head. Um, 
but it's also kind of cool because that suggests that maybe there's different languages yeah. on Atria. Which would make sense as an entire planet. So that's cool. Anyway, Roman engages with... Yeah, um, and he... he they once again do this great thing where they're raising good points. Um, Ro- Roman even points out, like, he's not even just being like, oh, you're foolish. But he's just like, you realize that, that you guys are like 20 people and that is like... Seven billion humans like, out there. You're crazy outnumbered. The only way this is going to work is if we. Yeah. Uh, but H- Hadar's like, no, you don't understand. We have more weapons. So many weapons. So many more weapons. So Robin, <laughs> and I, I think, I think Hadar's not very smart because he, cause he's like, and I want you, you could join us because you know Knox is your father. And Robin goes. Okay, yeah, I'll join you. Why don't you show me where your where your bunker is, all your weapons? Tomorrow. Why don't I come and you show me where your weapons are tomorrow? And Hadar's like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is great. You come by tomorrow, I'll show you where all the weapons are. <laughs> it's like, okay, Rowan's clearly dick. He's so lying. <laughs> Do you know who Knox was? But, I mean, well, Hadar, you know what? I'm not even sure if the clothes they're wearing is traditional Atrian gear of Hadar. Just like, yeah, put on spiky vines. <laughs> be hardcore i'm not gonna wear the spiky vines no <laughs> you're he, he wears like an outfit like they wore when they arrived yeah. on arrival day yeah. which i think is, 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 is nice. cool yeah they show yeah. that uh anyway we're, we're going to uh we're going to move off from that over to uh where where principal who i have learned his name is saul which is such a good name for a principal mm-hmm. and gloria they're yeah. having a little meeting Sol is very upset because all the parents are upset. We, we finally get a little bit more about this principal's feelings. And it, once again, doing a very good job of, like, people end up on both sides of this conflict for different reasons. And Principal Sol just doesn't want these parents or anybody to destroy his school. He points out that, like, there is a subset of parents mm-hmm. who will burn his school to the ground <laughs> if he lets the Atrians come. The guard's like, then I'll give you a new school. I'm overriding the board. Yeah. The Atrians are coming. So, yeah, they're coming. Eric is so pissed. And then, against all odds, Taylor Eric. gives us some context. Yeah, we get Eric background. Now, Eric's background is... Actually, actually, I I kind of appreciate them. I, I was worried they were going to give him a grace, uh, just another Grayson thing. No, his background is that his dad owned a restaurant and in the re- Bunkhead, and Bunkhead is the area where the sector was built. Yeah, which explains why he's ups why he's upset at um the the Atrians, but not like it's not. A, I mean, it's 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 here, a really the, nuanced exploration of racism. Yeah, like. Like here's here's what it comes down to. His reasoning is strong enough for him, but from the outside, that's not a strong enough reason to hate an entire race of people. Not that there's any really good yeah. strong reason to hate an entire race of people. So, um, once the sector was built there, the restaurant obviously failed because the racist southern humans yeah. didn't want to go near the sector. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and which, now his dad just drinks all the time. Though that does make me feel like. Okay, so wait, so did they just be like, oh, yeah, Atrians, you live here, and then as time went on, then the walls came up later? Because because humans aren't allowed in the sector. I don't think his restaurant was in the sector. I think his restaurant was in the neighborhood where the sector was built, well, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's, it's kind it of like, like when you have a restaurant and then, like, a ghetto pops up near your restaurant, but it's still the same neighborhood. Yeah, then, then a lot of, you know... Races, races are just like, I don't want to go there. Yeah, that's too close to the sector. Too close to the sector. I think that's what it is. Like, that's not the good part of town. Those Atrians thought, could sneak out of those walls. Yeah, I, I, I thought they said the bunkhead became the sector. I mean, I mean, who knows? The specifics, honestly, don't matter that much. Anyway, M, 
uh, takes this as a chance to try to invite Roman to the homecoming. And Roman points out that this whole issue is way bigger than just the two of them. Yeah, it's safer if we stay apart. And I'll say, like, oh, we, we have gotten a lot of, no, we can't be together. We must, I must leave you. We must go away. This makes sense. He's going to become the leader yeah. of this group, which puts himself in a great deal of danger. It just, this, I love this show feels, the show feels like the main character of a 90210 or an OC meets the main character of, like, Firefly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd just be like, no, no, you literally do not understand what, I am now the leader of my people. And she's like, I, do you want to go to homecoming with me? <laughs> and, like, to be fair, her dad, she's also embroiled in this, which I think she gets, but she doesn't yeah. quite get the repercussions. Yeah, I think that's sort of what... We're, we're, I I hope they don't leave M behind, because it really feels like we're getting a lot of, like... Uh, Roman ro- is really developing. Yeah. And to be fair, M is really, really sheltered. Yeah, she like, is. Making her be homeschooled for four years, A, makes it really easy to get exposition, mm-hmm. but B, explains some of her actions. Anyway, moving on, so, uh, Roman explains to Sophia that he cannot go to the homecoming because he's busy doing some wheeling and dealing to take down the tregs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the rest of the um, the seven, though, are actually going to go to the homecoming. And we get some cool perspective. Um, Drake wants to go because he wants to figure out how to escape. He yeah. hears that there are Atrians who escaped on arrival day. They're living in the bayou of Louisiana. <laughs> and he's going to go to there. Yeah, he's going to figure that out. Uh, which, you know, sure. Uh, however, Roman, uh, also discovers by following some, um, trags. Sketchy looking trag. Like, they're sketchy atrians, which I guess is how he knows they're trags. Yeah. He peeks into a container. Yes. And he learns. Now, I do not know why Hater, oh, it's a hollow Hater, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, is telling these trags this. I guess they were saying the information to, we eventually we find an assassin. I thought it was going to be like a, a coordinated attack. It's not just but, one yeah, assassin. Yeah, it's none of these guys. Yeah. Anyway, so he tells them. I guess he just he just wants them to know. He just, Hater is not smart. Hater wants to make sure everyone knows the Tregs are making moves. They are, yeah. like Roman, they are movers and shakers. Absolutely. And their plan is to uh, not only get vengeance against Ray Whitehall, but his entire family. Which will then put fear into the rest of the humans, although the right thing, Hater, yeah. would be to kill right Whitehall's family and not him. <laughs> yeah, if you if you are trying to be if, look, if you're trying to be terrorists, <laughs> you take away the things they love and leave them. Well, but but he's like, mm, but if someone did that to me, I would seek vengeance. So I guess I better kill him too. He's, he's trying to. He's haters trying to play 4D chess, and he barely understands how to check. Just he thinks he's playing checkers. So now, so now Roman. Oh my god! This, the way this is phrased makes it sound like Roman is one of those people who's like, "I have a date with one girl in uh, like on <laughs> on Fourth Ave, but then a date with another girl in the restaurant next door." Instead, it's so he goes to Castor and he's like, "I guess you're the only person I can trust." <laughs> because so I promised the Tregs I would go and see their weapons, and we really need to know where their weapons are. Yeah. However, I also found out the Tregs are going to do a murder on all of the White Halls. So hills. I, White it, hills. The White Hills. So I also need to stop that murder, and I'm the only person who's allowed to leave the sector. 
because I am allowed to go to homecoming. So, uh, help? How, how am I going to have a date with both these girls at once without breaking their hearts? <laughs> so, Caster yeah, is he, like... he's He is trusting Caster to deal with the Tregs and make sure that they don't outfit an army with their weapons. And I had so many feelings in my heart during this scene. I'm sure so did Roman. <laughs> so now we're at the carnival. And Julia is... She's scanning invites. She is so excited to be doing labor. Here is a character trait of Julie that we got a taste of in uh, in episode one. But it seems to be a defining trait of her. Julie is thirsty. <laughs> oh, yes. Ju- Julie is thirsty for anybody. And everything. Like, <laughs> even experiences. Yeah. Which, I mean, she's, she's been dealing with cancer for a while. You know, she's 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 a miracle who has returned. Uh, but she, she needs to settle down because it's not about her. It's about Roman. So there's a little bit of a little catch-em-up. Like, to be fair, Em and Julie have a couple of Seth and Ryan catch-em-ups in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And Lucas is here for this one. But then Grayson comes in to go to the homecoming. And Julie's like... Look at M flirting with Grayson. And I was like, he's a nice boy. <laughs> he's a good boy. Uh, and then Roman arrives. With guards. And I love they do this shot where it's where, like, M has his look on her face like, oh my god, I made him change his mind. And then cut to Roman being like, I gotta find out the assassin. <laughs> Just two, two different shows. Colliding right this moment. Because she even looks at him like, oh, well, I guess you changed your mind. He's like, there's murderers here. <laughs> M, you don't understand the great, the galactic, <laughs> the the galactic Senate has put down a kill order. And I must defeat them and stop the Sun Crusher bomb from destroying. Now, because Taylor is in charge of the Homecoming Carnival, she is the one who must scan their clear phones, yeah. and she also has a little bit of a flirt with Drake. Yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> he gets I, spooked I, by a person in an elephant costume. Yeah, I have, I have no, mammoth costume. <laughs> right. I have no, I have no memory of what they say to each other. But I know it ends with this weird, long, lingering look between the two of them and Taylor being like, "Maybe after homecoming is done, next target." She says something about if he's going to like uh, compete for homecoming king. Yeah. And then he also says something like they flirty, but they they definitely like flirt with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. And then he gets spooked by the mammoth. <laughs> by the mammoth. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, we see all of the um the seven. What, it's so there's seven, and we only really know four of them. Yeah, I dr- I don't even know what the other three look like. Like yeah. I try to visual them in my head, and they just disappear. Yeah. It's Drake, Terry, Sophie, and Roman. Anyway, the seven of them are walking by, and we see a lot of like you know people being like, "Hide the children from them." But this one little girl comes up to Terry yeah. and gives her a bright blue bracelet. Yeah, and Terry's like, "Oh," which to be fair, like little kids would do that. Yeah, yeah. she says like, "I won this for you," and I'm like, "You know what? Yeah, yeah." And you I- found out Atrians might come, and you were like, oh, "I'm going to give this to them when they get here." Yeah, because I bet I bet that little girl once told her mom, "I don't like how everyone seems so mean to these people, and they seem nice." I'm going to give them a present. Yeah. Uh, we we also get another uh, scene here where I guess we're getting another interest set up here with Sophie talking to Lucas. So Lucas is trying to make balloon animals for children, and mm, he's very bad no, at it. No, no, I think he was trying to make gr- the Greek symbols. 
So, I think Lucas is a big old nerd. So um, in the earlier scene, we were talking about all of the different reasons that the A-trains might want to go to Homecoming. Mm. Sophie really genuinely believes that they should just try to be friends with humans. Yeah. Like, they should just get to know each other. And if they get to know each other, they'll know A-trains aren't scary. Yeah. So she gets to know Lucas. Yeah. And Lucas gets to know her. The, there's there's this great moment in the middle of it where, where Lucas, he's like, oh, you know, I heard about your dad. I'm I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I'm keeping you in my prayers. And she goes, oh, right. Yeah, you guys do that. And he's like, yeah, we're Southern. We do it all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Different, they, different people. They go to do some bumper cars. Mm. Real cute. I liked it a lot. Meanwhile, Roman is stalking a man. Yeah, meanwhile, Roman has to find the assassin. It's a man in a black hoodie. <laughs> And so M finds him, and, and man, good for Roman, good for the show. He doesn't do that thing where he's like, I've been watching a lot of um, Shadow, the Shadowhunters series, mm. and man, is that a series of people not wanting to tell each other things. So seeing Roman look at M and go, hey, there's an assassin out here, and he's going to try to kill you and your family, that M go, I understand. We should probably stand in like bright lights near guards. And so... They do. They do. Although, meanwhile, Taylor and Grayson are watching them. <laughs> yeah. Great. Grayson is like, you know, I can still get her. I'll be dark and mysterious. She likes dark and mysterious. And Taylor's like, I think she likes Atrians. <laughs> do not mess up my homecoming, Grayson. Don't fight with anyone. I wasn't gonna. Despite the fact they're supposed to stay in brightly lit places near guards, they do have to take a little sidestep to Mammoth Rock. I mean, there's a lot of people just right off next to them. Mammoth Rock is a rock where every new uh, student... Human! Every new human! <laughs> every new student to Marshall High puts their handprint on the rock. Yeah. And... <laughs> they'll, la- they'll last forever. And Roman's like, I mean, rocks degrade over time, so it's definitely not forever. He also says, especially in your Earth... Like, in your Earth climate, I'm like, is the Asian, does Asians not have wind? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Learning things. Em is definitely like, just just do it. D- do your, do romance. <laughs> but <laughs> she forces his hand into the Romeo and Juliet hand position. In case again. we forgot. And man, do I just want every episode to be them ham-fisting in a reason for them to put hand on hand. <laughs> yes. Like, I just, I want it to be, I never want it to be comfortable. I always want it to be absolutely why didn't he dip, dip his own hand in well and it's like every time they do it they're both kind of like on their faces they're like why are we doing this feels like this is a reference are we compelled yeah uh and then we actually learn a very good reason of why roman might still have interest in emery like it, it seems like you know her dad killed his dad and they don't really know each other other than that a little bit when they're young mm. um like why do they get together why why are they romeo and juliet as roman says emery literally reminds him of his dad of all the things his dad believes in it's that humanity thing that they were talking about last episode yeah that you you believe in all the things that my dad believes in so it would make sense that he would still potentially have feelings for her after he deals with the assassin oh my god but in comes terry and she needs roman's help because drake is missing yeah. and roman knows why drake might be missing because he wants to run off to that bayou so he's <laughs> like um the murders are still a murder um, please be by, by guards. And M, being not an idiot, <laughs> Does. is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, weirdly enough, she wanders off and still runs into Sophie and <laughs> them looking around. Uh, but what she does see is Eric. Is pushing trash around? He's like on, one of, 
trash duty? It's one of those big, like, janitor trash, like, gurneys. Weird. And Grace, and she asks Grayson about it, and he's like, no, that's not what Eric does. Eric just shouts at people and stalks off angrily. And Em's like, oh, I'm supposed to be by guards, but this is very suspicious. I'm very worried about this, Grayson. <laughs> so she's going to follow Eric. Meanwhile, Roman is, I, I think he just stopped looking for Drake because well, he, he saw got, the shadowy figure yeah, again. Yeah, he got distracted, so he saw that hoodie man. Yeah, so he chases him down, and that guy, he, he has, like, a gun, and he's pointing at Emery, and then he knocks him over. Into water. Into water, and it's Beaumont. But not only is it Beaumont, because that would be one twist, yeah. when he got pushed into the water, like, things are glowing on him. It, it, it showed his marks. Because he's an atrium who got his marks hidden. Aaron. Just like they were talking about earlier. Aaron. Who the hell is Beaumont? Where the hell is Beaumont? <laughs> so, so we learned that I, I guess the Tregs do are actually trying to, like, get an army outside of the sector. Yeah, they're everywhere. Like, they have an army. They have a wep- They have weapons. A lot of Tregs have learned how to remove their marks. They mentioned this thing. It's like, oh, you removed your mark. And I'm like, why didn't no, you just it, put it in, like... there. Well, yeah, it seems like if you get water on it, it's close. Maybe it's just makeup. Well, no, it's not because it's still gone. At, like, if if the idea oh. was that it ran off, like, yeah, if, it glows when it's wet. Yeah, if it fell in the water and then the makeup ran, that'd be a good way of showing it. But I mean, yeah, why do they just put found like find out that foundation exists, <laughs> put it over their face? Instead, it's some process to remove the tattoos, but. Things seem to react with, like, they definitely have a different physiology, and mm-hmm. I'm interested in learning more about it. Meanwhile, Eric's being a real weirdo with a truck. He's got a truck. The truck looks gross. He's putting a tarp down over it. Em and Grayson run up, and then the tarp, like, shakes. Yeah. And I'm here's I'm going to say something. Like, obviously this is bad, but kudos for Eric. Eric has somehow kidnapped Drake. And Drake is maybe twice his size. And Drake's, like, like Drake is... He's he's bound. He's gagged. He's he somehow put in there the tarp. I'm. I mean, Eric, you, you did you did a terrible thing, but man, is it impressive. You sure did a something. Uh, um, but oh yikes! Oh yikes, Kevin! Not only is it Eric, it's the Red Hawks. Yes, Vartan and the Red Hawks arrive, and not only and their plan was to just straight up kill Drake. Yeah, they're gonna feed him to the Gators, and Eric's like. I thought we were just going to make him scared in this curfew. curfew. I I thought we were just going to spook him. And I'm like, oh, racist. Oh, Eric, you're going to learn how your beliefs are wrong. Oh, baby racist. You're going to learn better. This is, I mean, you shouldn't bind and kidnap people, but. We we are seeing the clues of a possible face turn for Eric eventually. Or he's going to get the Malfoy thing where he never really does the face turn. So, but um, he's but he's sad. Well, he's a bad guy. So M tries to pull an M and just kind of shut it, Vartan. But then Grayson has a knife. He has a knife. He has a switchblade. He gets right up in Vartan's face about none of not doing this. He's like, leave before I stab you. I ain't afraid to ruin Taylor's homecoming. You better be afraid to ruin. <laughs> if Taylor finds out that you are kidnapping people at her homecoming. She will turn this town into a crater. I will blame it on you. I'll say that I took the knife off of you. You're but the I one. was just defending myself. You're the one with the knife, Vartan. Taylor will scatter you to the cosmic winds. You do not understand the power she holds. And Vartan is not going to wreck that homecoming. Oh, no, she isn't. He, he just moseys on out of there. Uh, let's finish up with this Drake thing. So Drake is 
embarrassed. Clear, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it explains why Drake's not going to snitch on this because he's like, hey, you don't, you don't tell anyone that I was taken out by that guy. Look at how little he is. I'm a big guy. I'm real strong. Real, real strong. They try to say like, oh, he's not going to say anything because he was running away. But like, really, he's just embarrassed that Eric. Yeah, they did it. Uh, so then we uh, we finish up with Roman and Beaumont. And Roman, being an intelligent guy, is like, you, you can't shoot me because... I'm Nox's son. I'm like I'm the, the leader of the Atrians. Yeah, and if you if all of a sudden you who was sent out to kill uh M. Emer, M kills and I end up dead, they're gonna know it's you, and then all of a sudden you're the one who killed the son of Nox, their great leader. And you're a guard, so like this is a double. You know the tregs are just gonna <laughs> turn on you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah, Beaumont uh heads off, but he let he lets him know that hey we're always watching. We always watching. So Emma's curious about why Grayson has this knife, mm-hmm. and the knife was his brother's. You know, his brother, the yeah. National Guard, who died on arrival day. Yeah. Oh, oh, how sad. Yeah. Uh, so now, the, I guess everyone's sort of done with the homecoming. Uh, the seven are going home. Go, going home. I like how I like how the Roman went off to find Drake and found the. A killer, even when he told M to keep an eye out for the killer, but then M found Drake. Drake. <laughs> like they, they essentially switched who they were looking for. It was it was pretty great. So Roman comes back and he's like, "Oh, I was looking for Drake, Julia. Do you know where Drake?" Or Julia's like, "Hey, Roman, remember me? <laughs> I broke into your compound. <laughs> I was the one looking for the for the drugs." And he's like, and "That's not the. I don't know. I'm not the time. Uh, I need to find my friend." And I mostly talked with M that night, and she's like, "Yeah, he went to the bus." Yeah. And then she like. I think he's wounded on his arm or something, but she touches him. Yeah, she and, reaches out to him. And when she touches him, her own veins glow blue. And she immediately is like, oh, he's the angel. Because the characters in this show can actually connect points together, she immediately is like, oh my god, he's the one who saved me. Not being like, but why do when I touch why him? Why am I blue? Why are my veins blue? Man... I I love watching a show where characters are smart. Where characters are allowed to figure things out and don't have to have it explained to them. We didn't have to have a five-minute scene of her looking online and then doing a Google search <laughs> and looking at her veins, then looking off at the sky, then looking at a photo of Roman, then looking at her veins in the sky, and then just, like, she knocks over a paint cup and it's blue and it makes it look like veins going out and they go over Roman's face. And then she finally chases down Roman at the school and is like, why are my veins yeah. like this? And she doesn't even figure it, it out. It. She, she doesn't even figure it out. She still asks it. Say Cypher. <laughs> So, ooh, maybe a little bit of a love triangle there. Ooh. ooh. We already have a love triangle. We're getting a love... Quadrangle. Quadrangle. <laughs> My God. Meanwhile, the funeral. Mm-hmm. And the funeral has some similarities to some funeral rites on Earth, but also some differences, which is cool. I, th- I think what they what they essentially did... This, I mean this as the writers of the show and mm-hmm. the designers of the show... They set it up in such a way that we as an audience could look at it and be like, funeral. Like, they have the leader of their group standing there with a book in his hand, so he kind of looks like a priest. And they're wearing white, like everyone's wearing mm-hmm. white, and when they walk past um, a draped body... Yeah, they just drop... Um, a handful of cipher. Yeah. And, uh, and not other herbs, it looks like other herbs Yeah, because well. there's some other colors too. Yeah. And but, it's really cool, it's very touching. Yeah. And and this is uh, sort of... Uh, not intercut with, but we move over to Roman talking to Cassar about, hey, when I came back last night, you, I couldn't find you. 
And I just want to point something out. Cypher, or sorry, Caster is still wearing gray and black, like yeah. most of the Atrians wear most of the time. And I think this is significant in the scene. Yeah. I don't know what it signifies yet, but it's definitely he's, like... He's not mourning Nox as much as... As others. Yeah. Uh, but he, we learned from Caster that his, what he did, essentially, was get Hatter arrested and sent off to a place called The Crate. Yeah, so he... And tr- Barrel. He tricked the underlings into seeing an opportunity to rise up yeah. against their leader. He, he, he apparently, he's very, he's so politically conniving that this scene makes you be like, oh, he is much more dangerous than you give him credit for. Because he, he did just, he didn't even have to rat out Hater. He convinced the underlings to rat out Hater. And he doesn't say it here, I think he's leaving out that I bet he stepped into the vacuum. And so Roman is still suspicious, like he mm. is. He shares with Castor what he found out when he was at the carnival. That there yep. are Atrians off sector who have hidden their marks through whatever means. Yep. And that there is an army and like things are happening. So he, for what it's worth, needs Castor. He needs someone who has an in with the tricks well, to figure out what's going well, on. I also think what he says is that um, he's like, he essentially needs to use his energy Finding the Atrians hiding among humans, and he will not have the time, the time, the ability to both find the Atrians hiding among humans and be a leader for his people. So he needs Castor to essentially step in as the leader of the people, so that he can focus on this. But he retains the ability to call <laughs> Castor out of that role at any time, which it sounds like everyone will be fine with because he's he is technically the actual mm-hmm. heir. And what's super interesting was when Castor agrees to this, he speaks in the Atrian language instead mm. of English, and this is the only time we've heard him speak in their yeah. language. So, interesting. The first thing he does request, of course, for um, the Trikes to do is to stop targeting the White Hill family and Castor. And this, this is where I'm like, I think Castor just put himself in charge of the Trikes. Yeah. I think, I think it's what he did. I think, I, th- I think he utilized this as a way to consolidate his own power. So, in this scene, it's super unclear where exactly Castor is falling, but he's going to help Roman for now. Yeah. Uh, we are, we we head over to the school. We get a little bit of, like, Eric and Drake kind of, like, <laughs> make scowly eyes at each other. And Terry puts the bracelet given to her by the little girl mm. in her locker, yeah. which is the same color as Atrian blood when it has Cypher in it. Yeah. So. Uh, and then we get some Roman and M. Uh, they're, like, about to talk, but then Roman... Gets flat- real paranoid. Oh, he flashes back to uh, Beaumont, uh... <laughs> as he's thinking, who the hell is Beaumont? Uh, and he looks around, just being like, oh, any of these people could be a- could be Atrian spies, I guess. And so he basically, you know, says to M. <laughs> well, well she, she says, is everything okay? And he goes, it will be. And then leaves. <laughs> and then Grayson comes up and she and Grayson walk off together. It still feels like they're on different shows. It really does. <laughs> Even though feels- he's let her in, not enough. It it feels like a lead character in New Girls interacting with someone from the blacklist. Well, and the thing is, like, M still thinks she goes to a normal school with some racism, whereas Roman is like, involved in Oh my like, god, there's a deep conspiracy with my with with my people and your people like, and 
upper government level conspiracy <laughs> intrigue. Yeah, em- Emery is trying to <laughs> Emery is trying to just navigate her first couple weeks of school. Roman is trying to bring peace between two <laughs> warring nations. It would be like if in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo's job was to make the Montagues and Capulets stop fighting and some of the Capulets had infiltrated the Montague <laughs> household and were planning to kill them. So we have what appears to be a final montage, but it's not. There's a lot of endings in this episode. First, Castor and Beaumont meet to have a conversation. And maybe Castor is plotting with Beaumont and maybe they were in on this together. It's really, really well, unclear. Yeah, he says that... Um, he, well, it's weird because he says that the Tregs may think you're their dog, but you work for me. Which might mean that Caster is not in charge of the Tregs. He's in charge of Beaumont. Because cause he, he he separates, essentially, the Tregs from, from himself. himself. He So I don't think he was working with the Tregs. I don't think he was trying to take Roman's leading position to get the Tregs in power. He's playing his own well, no, game. No, I, this thing, I never thought he was trying to get the Tregs in power. I thought he was just trying to get control over the Tregs. And he does explain to Beaumont that he has his own reason for wanting Roman and Emery apart. <laughs> Which, I mean, you gotta throw that in there. We know this is a Romeo and Juliet show. You, you still gotta have your big bag. i be like, and also, those lovers shall never twain meet. And so he wants Beaumont's spies, which I guess are high school kids, yeah. to be reporting back to him, specifically about teen romances. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, of course they are. We know in this show, in this show of teen dramas, of course there's going to be teen spies. I bet it's Terry. <laughs> and I also mean, Taylor. I mean... <laughs> both okay, Taylor would be the worst spy ever. Terry, the, we're definitely getting Terry business because she got, she got, not only did she get the bracelet, we saw another scene with her with the bracelet. So I think the idea is that she... This, this is starting to realize, and, and you know, maybe she is working, working like a, a spy for the Trags, but maybe her alliances are changing. Eric's alliances may be changing from the Red Hawks. But like, you know who has no alliances, Kevin Taylor, <laughs> only to herself. <laughs> but this is not the end of the show either. Roman is hanging out with his dad's corpse, and the cipher <laughs> on his life. body blooms. Yeah, it's it's a weird shot. Um, I don't know what it means. Definitely something. It's kind of cool. Does <laughs> all Cypher come from the dead body of Atrians? I don't know. We know that it interacts with Atrian blood. Yes. We know that for sure. But the show is still not over. Yeah. So it seems that Em and Grayson were on a date, although they just kind of hug at the end. So Em is they're, they're hanging sure. Out, they're hanging out at the crab place. And Grayson walks off the other direction from Emma to go home, except, oh my god, the leader of the Nighthawks, the Red Hawks, is following him. Yeah, Vartan is, uh, is, you know, is gliding behind him in his car, and it seems so obvious, but Grayson, Grayson sees him and gets into the vehicle. And you think that maybe, maybe Vartan's gonna do some threatening? But, oh no, Grayson works for the Nighthawks. He's on his, uh, uh, on his knife. On his knife. It can't be his brother's knife because it has a red hawk on it. Yeah. I keep like gray hawk. I, I also want gray. to call them night hawks. I think I called them gray hawks once. Anyway, uh, I mean, it still could be his brother. The, the red hawks could have existed in one form before. before yeah, before the, uh, this, the, the whole thing. Because, I mean, that's kind of what happens with these, like, militia groups is they find a cause that allows them to do their stuff. So it turns out that Grayson really is dark and moody. Well... But he seems very conflicted now in this scene. Because it turns out Emma's 
so sweet. It, well, it, when I was doing this, I'm like, another Romeo? Is this Romeo and Juliet and Romeo? Double Romeos. Maybe it's double <laughs> Juliets, though. Maybe one of the Juliets is Julia. <laughs> it's, it's Romeo and Juliet and Romeo and Juliet and Taylor. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. The other episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment when Romeo and Juliet hit the stage, but there was literally no Mercutio because there's literally not a single character that exists in both worlds? Although I guess Mercutio does not exist in both worlds. He is simply a friend of Romeo's, except for the fact that he was invited to the Capula party. So I take back what I said, and this is not a Shakespearean discourse podcast. This is a teen drama podcast. Yeah. My CW moment is Beaumont. Where did Beaumont come from? Who the hell is Beaumont? I'm just saying, I did a little look at the cast list when I was trying to figure out if anyone else on the show was famous. Yeah. And Beaumont literally was not in the pilot. And I get it. You don't know what it's going to do. But, like, I would have liked some seeds of Beaumont. Because he's he's not a big enough character to the point that when they first revealed his face, I was like, uh-huh. I, I see that man. I thought, was a, when we first, I thought he was just another one of the guards. And it took me a long time. Well, no, when they revealed his face when Roman tackled oh, him into the water, yeah. I was like, uh-huh. Well, that, that's what they had to have Roman say. Beaumont? Here's the thing. Roman should not know his name. No, and they luckily th- yeah. because this is a good show. He did say his name in the first scene. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it his. It's just a little ham fisty. Well, and and I mean, it, it raises a lot of questions. Like, so the Atrium is able to get to a guard position. That seems Into, pretty. And like, and now, and now he's like the now now he's the, the head commander. Yeah. Well, and like he's old enough. Yeah. That he really shouldn't have been able to appear out of nowhere. Yeah. So how high does the conspiracy go? Maybe this isn't a CW moment. This is like some long-reaching repercussions. Yeah. Kevin, did you find yourself a CW moment? Yes, Aaron. It's when they touch hands with the paint. Oh, I couldn't do that. <laughs> so obvious. I can't. I'm not going to give it all the time to every time they do the hand touches. But, but the fact <laughs> is like, look, look, you put your hand in the paint and, put it on, and you put it on the rock. Boom. Drama. I want to give an honorable mention to... Terry getting the bracelet from the little girl, except that except for the, except for they showed it off because she she put it into her locker. That shows that it actually means something to Terry. And the thing is, like we, you and I have worked with children for yeah. years. We know kids will run up to an adult they've never met before, yeah. but that means something to them, like symbolically, and be like, "I did this for you." And, and also the fact that it was Terry. If it was Sophie, I'd be like, "Oh, Sophie, Sophie already likes him." But giving it to Terry, who has shown like hesitant and been kind of on Drake's side but kind of lingering giving and her- like maybe believing in the tregs yeah and and her mom's a trag yeah um but giving her that and then giving the scene later where she hangs it up this we're not gonna lie this show is hard to pick a uh, pick a moment where it's this drama without reason that's why I picked them her forcing their hands together <laughs> but you know what she's also I saw this in a play <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Stop Romeo and Julietting us. <laughs> Stop that. So you have Grayson for. <laughs> I would, I would at one point him to be like standing on the bow of a ship and she just goes up behind him and puts her arms. Like, no, stop. Like, don't, don't do that. I saw that movie. I thought what you're trying to do. <laughs> I know what Titanic is. Stop doing romantic cliches with me. I am trying to st- to bring our people together and stop assassins. Let me explain better, M. 
the deep political <laughs> intrigue I am in. Yeah, he is a, there is so much like interesting political intrigue going on to that side. And then we cut to Emery. <laughs> now, to be fair, Roman and Sophie mm. have at no point explained to Em that he is now the leader of their society. Well, I, like, I, she has no way of knowing that. She doesn't know how their society well, works. I presume because they probably don't want to tell anybody, any humans, that the leader of their society is now this 17-year-old boy. I mean, fair. Like, th- like think think of how much humans be like, wait, the guy who... You're, you're telling me the leader of the Atrians now goes to high school. But wasn't, like, Queen Elizabeth, like, 21 when her dad died? Well, yes, but you understand that also if the Red Hawks knew that, they would just, like, try to kidnap him or it would put a target on him. I guess the argument I'm making yeah. is that she's looking at him and thinking he's sad because his dad died. Yeah. And she has no possible way of knowing anything deeper than that. Well, yes, absolutely. And at the same time, I don't think they have any reason to tell her because also... In the grand scheme of things, like, they don't know each other that well. No, but she did save him. She she did save him. He, I, and that, he did try to save her, and then she thought died. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so, yeah, we're moving along with, uh, with Starcross. It's very, it's, it's very entertaining. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing that, like, they're, like, they're two different. It's almost funny that it, that this is a, like, this is, like, this, this is, this is, like, if, one of the friends from Friends met went went to Game of Thrones, and like I genuinely feel like they're doing a good job, yeah. with both storylines. And they're clearly doing it on purpose. It's not. It doesn't feel like an accident that M is like so sheltered and <laughs> yeah. living her own her own very specific small life. Yeah, like it, it's it feels on purpose, and it feels like it's a thing that will. It's only two. We're only two episodes in. It feels like that thing will eventually blow up. And she'll learn, oh, you're technically the heir to the... Well, because the, She has no idea... She has no way of knowing that he's a prince. Like, as far as the humans know, Nox is the leader of, like, oh, the they, human Atrian yeah, they, connection. They, they have... They... There's no way the hum, there's the a broad majority of humans care about what the Atrian governing system is. They're just like, oh, you know, they're like us. They got a president. It's the same thing about when Americans meet people from different countries. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up there because we got to, you know, we got to get more star crust, star crossed into our blood, we our only, blue blood. We only have eleven more episodes to fill our of this, veins of this series. Yeah, it's yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if it ended well. So. Please do not spoil it for us, but engage with us about what we know so far. Give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. And please hit us up on the social media. We are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, and we are at Gmail at PodcastMOA. Podcast MOA? Yeah. I was going to say PodcastMOA at gmail.com, and then I was like, I forget what I normally say. PodcastMOA at gmail.com. PodcastMOA. Podcast MOA. Thanks, guys. Who are Beaumont spies? What is Castor planning? What will be Taylor's next obsession? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast?